and trains and we're prepared for it with new technique and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. We're getting ready to have a live spectacle. What we were trying to say, you got to walk on, walk on, walk on. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. To reach Devin Wade with a question or comment, follow him on Twitter at Wade's Be a part of the group on Facebook by joining the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group or liking the page. Welcome to episode 58 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. We have a great episode in store for you. Joining me this time out for the Big 5-8 is my man Kevin Allen, the Silver Fox. He continues his apology tour on the podcast. We'll elaborate on that. But coming up this episode, what's new? We'll tell you what's going on in our world. Also, some headlines. We'll hit you with some this or that. All that in the first half of the show. In the second half, we're going to hit you with hero or zero. And then we'll give out the Lamont Award. And Lamont was a big dummy. You'll find out what he is in the second half of the show and who is the big dummy of the week. We'll have birthdays. And before I let go, I also want to uh, thank you guys for tuning in, for commenting, either on Facebook. I want to remind you, you can join us on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page on Facebook or the fan page or the group. You can definitely get in on both of those. Also, you can tweet me at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D, and on Instagram, Sports Talk with D. Wade. All those ways to reach out. Please subscribe, comment, post. We want to get your feedback, like, share with your buddies. Uh, really take some of the conversation with you and uh, make this thing bigger and better. Also, if you are a fledgling artist and you're just getting started, if you want some exposure, send us your music, regardless of genre, and we will show you some love. We will pay a part of it at the halfway point and play the entire track at the end of it. Whether you The genre doesn't matter. If you, you play pop, folk, whatever, gospel, rap, DJs, if you have remixes, send them out. And uh, if you were a new rapper, let us know. I have a group out of the ATL this time out, Fulton County, featuring Ebony Camille. Uh, we'll hit you with that inside out. That's at the halfway point. Also want to thank our sponsor, CoBank Homes, for all of your real estate needs in the greater Houston area or beyond. Give Kofi Bankers a call. We'll give you his information at the halfway point as well. With that, what's new? What's new with you, Kev? I know we, we, you missed last time out. You were doing some AAU basketball. Tell us about the tournament. And more importantly, tell me about some of the kids that we need to look for. Because uh, you had the older group. Sort of tell folks where you were, what it was about, and who are some of the kids to look out for. I was at Yates High School last Saturday and Sunday. For the uh, what? For the Rookies 10th Annual Invitational. Ten years is a long time, and we've been pretty consistent. Have a lot of support throughout a lot of AAU programs. It was age nine through seventeen, but I had the older group, sixteens and seventeens. A lot of good talent out there. A lot of good teams, and like I said, the the community supported it. Came out to watch some young talent. Uh, had a lot of different teams. I went out and got to know a couple of guys that I did see, but one that impressed me was a local kid at, at Houston Milby High School. His dad used to play at the University of Houston, Ken Juice Williams, his, his grandson. He's a freshman. He'll be a sophomore next year at Milby High School. Really good talent, a lot of talent to work with, and I'm kind of anxious to start watching some Milby Buffs basketball 
here in the Houston area. Well, we are a hotbed here in the greater Houston area for a top-notch basketball. We see it if you're looking into the top 25 teams. You're bound to have somebody from Texas, but a lot of stars come from the greater Houston area. We have a number of NBA guys. Well, who's the team to beat in high school? I mean, I know we're months away. Uh, who are some of the teams to watch uh, this fall? Well, this fall, it, it's going to be kind of a changing of the guards now because some of the guys that have been dominant for the last couple of years have graduated. They'll be coming back with a bunch of new groups. So it's, it's wide open for the next couple of years. You have Morton Ranch has a guy, L.J. Cryer, that's going to be highly recruited. L.J. will be a junior next year over at Morton Ranch. He's one of probably one of the most touted players that's going to be in this Houston area. You have Southfield Wheeler that's at a private school at Houston Christian that has already committed to Texas A&M. He's a point guard over at Houston Christian. So you still have some talent here in this Houston area, but those are two that are going to be ringing the bells with those names to remember. Well, what's new for me, I had a chance to see Kalina do her thing at the ensemble in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And I had to tell you, you would have been proud of our girl, man. Wow. She wore this yellow dress and she was all dolled up with all this makeup, hair to the side, and she played a uh, really a vixen, and she was swinging those hips from side to side. I mean, she's a small woman, but she was swinging those hips from side to side doing her thing in my Rainey's Black Bottom. I think it runs until June. So we did have a chance to see that. And the other thing that's new coming up, Tomorrow in the greater Houston area, we're hanging out for the Friday Express gathering, another TFE gathering. If you don't know what that is, the Friday Express is my Friday radio show, old school show on KTSU 90.9 in Houston. I have a loyal, loyal fan base with that. They do uh, big things. They always come out and show love. So that's happening tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to that. So with that, want to get into some headlines. Well, this is a huge time in the city of Houston, Kev. And I tell you what, are you ready to start your apology tour? Let's start your apology tour with our guy, LeBron James. Now, let me preface this by saying I have been a very big opponent of all of this LeBron, the greatest player ever. But this postseason, he's been absolutely incredible. He's been legendary this postseason. Now, granted, you can, we, we will have this debate, I'm sure, about how weak the, the Eastern Conference is and, and this time and this period of basketball. But LeBron is doing a big thing, and he created a situation. Now you have a Game 7, Boston and Cleveland. Hold on, let me cue the music. I never meant to treat my dad that way. Okay, go. Make your apology to LeBron. Okay, okay. Now, LeBron James has been playing some phenomenal basketball, some of the best basketball that I've seen him play in a very you long time. Indiana to beat them. <laughs> yeah, I picked Indiana to beat them. Did him, you man. pick Toronto to beat them? No, no, you didn't pick no, Toronto to beat them. No. I picked Indiana to beat them. I went seven games. There were some questionable things in there that could have gone either way, but Cleveland weathered the storm on that one. But now they're in game seven against the Boston Celtics. And here we are Saturday morning. Their game is tomorrow. And I'm still picking Boston. The Boston Celtics will be at home. Uh, I don't think LeBron has enough help in order to put him over the hump on this, no matter what he does. They're going to let him score and and try to wear him down, uh, make him play defense and things like that. I just don't, don't think that Cleveland has enough to get by Boston. Well, he's been legendary, like you said, 46 and 11 last night. And just, I mean, what else can you do if you're a player? 
than what he's been able to do. I picked initially, I picked Cleveland in this series because I, I didn't have faith in the youth of Boston in this situation. And they'll be tested with a big game seven. So we'll have to see what happens. I will lean, and I said this on the Houston show, I will lean towards taking Cleveland. I know that that will be an epic kind of story. You know, LeBron is chasing the ghost of Michael Jordan. Really, he should be chasing the ghost of Kobe Bryant as well. Uh, but he's chasing ghosts. So I think he understands how big the moment is, and he's going to try to capitalize. It's going to be tough to beat Boston. Boston 10-0 this postseason at home, 1-7 and on the road. So, uh, again, we disagree again. You're going with Boston. You picked Boston to begin the series. I picked uh, Cleveland in six. Anything can happen in game seven. We'll have to see what happens in that series. But here's the thing. We are in Houston, Texas. This is where we are. We're based. And this is an incredible time for the Houston Rockets. It's an incredible time for Houston sports when you think about the Astros being world champs. The Rockets are one game away from the NBA Finals. Uh, the Red Rowdies are out. The town, the, the downtown buildings are laced in red. This is a fun time. And who thought that the Rockets would be up 3-2 on the Golden State Warriors? I certainly did not. It, this series has been a total surprise to me. I am shocked with how things have transpired in this series. Give me your initial thoughts on what's happened in this series. What is going on with Golden State? Right now, with this Golden State and Houston series right now, they're both playing pretty good defense. Everybody is picking it up on the defensive end. They're making each other have some tough shots. Steph Curry is having some, some not the Steph Curry shooting nights that he's normally having. James Harden is on the other end. He's not having those nights that he normally has. He's 0 for 20. 0 for 20 in his from last the three pointers. Point. Yeah, so that doesn't look good on that end. So these teams are really getting after each other. Houston is really, really hungry to try to upend the Warriors to try to get to the NBA Finals and stop Golden State from getting back to their fourth finals in a row. Man, you know, and I just cannot. And the games that Houston has won. These games are games that you, they really on paper should have lost because of how bad they played offensively. You look at a, a game where James Harden goes 0 for 11. If I tell you that, I said I come to you, I say, Kev, James Harden went 0 for 11 versus the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. What are you going to tell me about that game without knowing anything else? I'm taking the win with Golden State. You say Golden, you would say Golden State won that game. Right. That, that's a no-brainer. Golden State has won the game. In, in game, what, four? They missed about 20 shots in the paint. Putbacks, layups, all sorts of shots right around the basket. And you look at it and you say, well, how are they still in this game? But Chris Paul has done a tremendous job. And defensively, even James Harden has put forth maximum effort. And they have really disrupted what Golden State likes to do offensively. The other thing about this is Iguodala uh, being absent has really changed the game, and we'll get more into that a little bit later. But Chris Paul will not play in Game 6, may not play in Game 7. I'll say he won't play in Game 7 if it's truly a bad hamstring injury. They wouldn't hold him out for 6, saying, oh, we got one to burn. I think that they would try to let him go, and I don't think there's enough recovery time for him to get back. But I am shocked. A lot of the things people say, well, Golden State is not moving the ball around. They're not doing what they normally do. They're playing isolation basketball, and they're not accustomed to doing that. But here's the deal. Kevin Durant has these huge mismatches down low, and you have to take advantage of that. And I know that's not in sort of what they normally do. That's not consistent in how their offense runs. 
But, dude, if you have Chris Paul on you and you're Kevin Durant, one of the more prolific scorers in this league when you want to be, you have to win that matchup. And I use the analogy of if you had Akeem Olajuwon in the low block and you have John Stockton against him, guess what I'm going to do? I don't care what my offense is. Ten times out of ten, I'm throwing it down low to Akeem to see what he can do with it and take advantage of that mismatch. And, yeah, I know that they had weak side help coming. Capella came from the weak side. But a lot of these matchups, Durant just hadn't won in the last not – no, he's won his share. Let's, let's put it in perspective. He's won his share of these matchups. But the problem is you need to win five or six more of those, and this series is uh, maybe over at this point had he been able to do that. So I have a lesser opinion of Kevin Durant than I did coming into this series. I thought that he had surpassed LeBron clearly in the, the NBA Finals last year. I thought he did and what, you know, what he was able to do, and he dominated that series. But I'm totally unimpressed why, with him not being able to exploit even more so the advantages and the mismatches that he's had in this series. Now, you're more of an X's and O's guy, so tell me, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Number one, like I said, they're playing a lot of one-on-one basketball, which is getting them out of rhythm. And in basketball, you you need to be in the rhythm. And Kevin Durant isn't in that rhythm because he is playing one-on-one even when he's at the top. Instead of the passing the ball and moving, he's trying to break you down off of the dribble. And we, we always say when you look at some of those games like in – in this last game, in game five that they had, it looks like Clay had got going for a minute, and then Kevin Durant comes down and takes, to me, an ill-advised shot. But what happens is these guys, when they don't touch the ball three or four trips down the floor, or they haven't shot, they're going to force up one, and now it kicks the other guy back out of rhythm that had just gotten going. To me, sometimes it becomes the selfishness of the NBA player where they'll just come down because they got to let one go. I haven't shot in three or four trips, so i got to get one up. And that breaks the flow that you have going that, that that's needed in this type of series because of the defense that's being played, and he's taking some bad shots right now. Also, the down low part, yes, he is having a mismatch because of the height, but that uh, help is coming, and he is forcing up some shots. So he's just going to have to trust his teammates and then get his where he fits in. Well, you know what else has surprised me about this series? The lack of poise by Golden State down the stretch. And game four, not able to really get a good shot off. Didn't know what they wanted to do. And game five, you throw the ball to a streaking Draymond Green who just fumbles it away. Are you surprised with a team with this much experience, this much success, that they have not carried themselves with more composure down the stretch? It does not because Golden State is that type of team that gets up and down the floor and they do make careless turnovers. Watch one of the, I think it was game five, if I'm correct. They're coming down the floor after made basketball. Houston and Steph has the ball. He took two dribbles. Draymond's running on the side, not looking, and he just throws the ball to yeah, Draymond. Yeah. And it's a turnover, but those are kind of the kind of turnovers. A, why is Cook taking a big three-pointer? But now, he, he was, was open. He, he was open, but, but he, you got he, two of the best shooters in the history of the game on the court. Curry moving towards the basketball. You take an extra second, let Curry take that shot. Do you want to lose with Cook being the guy taking the big shot? But then you, you have to look at, look at it again. They lose by four, and they turn the ball over so many times. They, they Steph threw the ball to Draymond on the move, and he fumbled the ball on the last time going down the court. So I don't pick parts like that because Cook was open. He is capable of making that shot. But they have to, in order for Golden State to get back in that flow, 
they have to minimize the unforced turnovers that they've been doing. I, I look one time, Clay was on the baseline, and he just turned baseline. Guy was right there for the trap. So they're, they're not thinking it. You know, they'll just pass the ball, just anticipating that you're going to be there, and they'll turn the basketball over. And it's shifting gears a little bit. The other thing that dominated our local show here is the NFL coming out with a new rule requiring that all players who are on the field at the time of the anthem and team personnel that you must stand and salute and respect the flag. And if not, if you choose not to, you can remain in the locker room. This, again, will further drive a wedge between African-American, many African-Americans who love the NFL and the NFL, which is tone deaf in this entire situation. And really, it was Donald Trump that stirred all of this up. And it, the thing was on his way to dying down. And Trump, you know, of course, he he said, throw those son of a bitches out and all that. And he doubled down on these comments again, playing to his, you know, knuckle-dragging base. So, so, I mean, what are your thoughts on the NFL in this in this role? Well, with these guys, it's going to stir it up again because, like you and I have talked, where the, now the question is going to be, who was in the locker room? Who didn't come out? And now it's going to come out that way. But I thought that it was beginning to die out a little bit, and now it they stirred the pot right back up. I think that they, like you like you call it, they framed this this thing up to what it wasn't initially started they out to be. They made it about patriotism, and it's right. not about patriotism. It's about saying, hey, I want to stand up and have a protest about criminal justice reform. This is about injustices that are going on in this country. He did not. He's not out there doing the cabbage patch during the anthem. He's not being disrespectful. He took a knee, and they have just. This is to me more about them trying to control their workforce. And on one level, you understand as a business owner, you can't have because if you go into Subway and you have somebody <laughs> with a raised fist during lunch hour, people are gonna be like, "I'm not interested in your cause. I just want a sandwich." I get part of what they want to do, but they have to understand that this is a different dynamic. This is not your local business. This is something that is transcendent of just a normal workforce and, and employer relationship. This is about people who have this huge, huge platform and they want to take advantage of it to affect the world in a positive way. Now, how, where do you draw the line? Well, today's cr- criminal justice reform. Well, what if it's about environmentalism and somebody, uh, you know, sprays green paint all over their faces. Where do you draw the line? So I understand that. What I don't understand is being more compassionate and understanding in how you build a bridge. And again, this is a consistent thing with what with what has happened in this country over the last couple of years with Trump. And again, I keep bringing him him up, but because he's sort of refocusing the emphasis on this discussion so you don't have to talk about police reform people don't want to talk about fixing tough problems that really don't affect them (laughs) if you are white in middle in the middle america what do you care if some black man in detroit or dallas texas or houston texas being mistreated by the police unlawfully stopped unlawfully harassed tased in milwaukee like the brown kid what do you care if you're a white person and all you want, all you care about is football. And so those people have no interest in this. So instead of having that discussion, which is necessary, because if they come for the black man today, they're coming for the poor white man tomorrow. So this thing, we've always been the canary in the coal mine, so to speak. But what I'm saying to that is 
why don't you just listen to and make the 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 players union a part of this? You didn't have to, but again, the NBA hadn't had to do some of the things that they've done, but they still have attempted to make sure that they work with their workforce. What ninety percent of the players in the NBA are black? Seventy-five to eighty percent in the NFL are black. And you cannot disregard their feelings or their desires. And I know the field of play is not necessarily a place for protest, but there is no convenient place for protest. So what are your thoughts on the NFL? Uh, I mean, it's just what can be done? How can we fix this, kid? The only thing that I like I shared with you on the Houston show is players, hey, on game day, don't show up. No game is played. So now they have to go back to the drawing board and say, hey, look, sponsors going to pull out. No games, no money to be made at the stadium, no TV money. So you hit the owners in the pocket. Now it throws them in the frenzy. So now it's like, hey, we got we got to fix this. So they've hit us in the pocket. So we, I can't stand to lose another football game like this where I'm not making any money. So how so, do you get those guys to do that? How do you get those guys to unite? How do how can you rally these guys when we agree on when you can't get ten people to agree on any one thing? How in the world can you get a whole workforce? to commit to to boycotting? Well, that's that's the thing, whereas that you have to take a chance to try to get them all to do that. that. That's the only thing that I can see is where you can hit them in the pocket to get them to listen because with rich, older white guys like that, that's the only thing that they're going to understand. They don't when understand money. Yeah, you affect their money, then they, they kind of understand and they want to start listening and trying to fix the problem. But right now it's no problem because they're controlling the narrative right now. So yeah. once you 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 put a, a handle or a grip on that, then they'd be able to talk. So it, it's tough to just say, "Hey, how can you get them to do it?" It's just if you're able to get them to do it, then you got them by the ball. Well, I tell you what, let's go to a segment that we call this or that. The choice is yours. You can get with this, or you can get with that. You can get with this, or you can get with that. This is the segment where I give Kev a two players, two teams, two entities, and he'll give me a choice between this one or that one. Who's had the better coaching performance to this point in the Western Conference Final? Steve Kerr or Mike D'Antoni? This or that? That's a toss-up. Hard to say because you're both in the Conference Finals. I'm just talking about in this series alone. Just let's separate regular season and earlier postseason. In this series through five games, who's had the better coaching performance? It's still toss-up because you're basically tied. It's 3-2 we know with Houston, but Golden State has an opportunity to go 3-3 tonight. I mean, they're both making adjustments. They're doing very well. Mike D'Antoni is doing a lot better job than I thought he would do. But then Steve Kerr, on the other hand, is doing a great job missing Andre Iguodala, who's a valuable piece to that basketball team. So it's it's kind of hard to say right now who has the edge as far as coaching because well, give me one. Well, it's it's tough because Golden State is playing shorthanded with Iguodala out. Now Coach Mike D'Antoni is going to have to flip the script and make some adjustments with Chris Paul being out. So it, that that's a tough question. It's hard because I, you know, both have. So you're not gonna make a choice in this. Not event. on that one. That one. I'm gonna win. I'm gonna win out on that one because man, it's, look, look, it boils down to this. Rockets have a three-two lead. Now I don't know who will do a better coaching job moving forward, but right. to this point, it's Mike D'Antoni. Okay, and, and I'll tell you why. Steve Kerr has not gotten his team to play the kind of ball that they played all year long. He has not been able to, and I know in, in Game Four he tried to call a timeout. They ignored him. 
That's a thing that didn't get mentioned, but okay. So that didn't happen, but he didn't have his team ready to make plays down the stretch in a very close basketball game. Part of that is letting the players play, but he didn't, again, you have not capitalized on those situations, what, on your experience, on your superior talent. Mac D'Antoni, on the other hand, has really gotten these guys to play defense. They bought in. They didn't get intimidated. He called the team soft, and they have responded. So I think it's a no-brainer that Mike D'Antoni has been the better coach in this series well, so far. Well, with that thing, I'm not going to give Steve, Coach Steve Kerr a knock by not calling the timeout. Well, he because, tried. He tried. Well, I'm talking about coming down stretch because I look at it, and when you coming down like that and not calling the timeout, you don't. I don't give you the time to set up a defense. Now everybody's in scramble mode. So I can see that happening. Also, I can see him having the confidence with those guys because they've been in situations like that before. So what can you tell them that they haven't already heard and they've probably executed in that situation before? So – I don't want to knock him on, on those choices right there. Like I say, both have did hell of a jobs on, on, on adjustments, adjusting during the basketball game, after the basketball games for the next basketball game. They're doing tremendous jobs, man. I have to give both take my hat off to both coaches. Next up on this or that Golden State, an all-time great team or not. If they lose this series if to the Rockets and don't return to the NBA Finals, in this era, this, their era would have ended. And maybe they'll pick it up next year, but this this stretch has ended. And again, for now, would they still qualify as an all-time great team or not? This or that? Yeah, they'll be labeled as a great team because you've been to three straight NBA Finals and then you've made it back to at least the NBA Conference Finals. That means four years in a row you've made it at least to the Conference Finals. Twice you've won it, once you've lost. That's an all-time great. You know, you've had a, you've had one hell of a run. And not to say that it's over, so you may be going to four NBA Finals. So, I mean, going at least going to three straight NBA Finals and then getting back to a conference finals, you know, outside of Cleveland right now, coming out of the East, that hasn't been done in quite some time. So you have to put them up there with the other great teams. I think that they have to win it all to stay in the conversation for all-time great teams. Because if you lose, and yeah, the Rockets are the number one seed technically, but Nobody in Vegas or no, most people around the country pick Golden State, including myself, including you. From October, from September, we picked Golden State to return and win again. If they don't do it, then you have to take that discussion off the table. Because now, again, when you talk about all-time great teams, you talk about the Chicago Bulls. You talk about the Celtics teams. You talk about the, the Showtime Lakers, but they had another all-time great right across from them in the Boston Celtics. So I think that you have to take this conversation, take them out of that conversation if they don't reach but, another NBA final. But you don't take them out of the NBA uh, out of that conference out of that conversation. I say because, you do because I say you do because when you look at that team, Chicago went to how many NBA finals in a row? Like four, three? five in a row, four, three in a row, three in a row, because you know, because Mike didn't lose. How many conference finals did Larry Bird and them go to in a row? And how many conference finals? No, let me bag this up. How many NBA finals did the Bulls go to in a row? How many NBA finals did Boston go to in a row? And how many finals did the, so the, the Lakers. Lakers in a row? So you look at Golden State, they've matched those numbers. So they're in that conversation. The yeah, Bulls went know. to three in a row. Golden State has done that. The I Bulls, think we have to post this but one. See, but see, the Bulls won three in a row. Golden State, two out of three. Boston never won three NBA finals in a row. 
And the Lakers but, never but won again, three. They had, well, you, the, the, back, the, old, the old Celtics won with Red Arbach yeah, and, but, and but, Bill Russell. But, but I'm talking in modern basketball. With the modern basketball. But again, they had an all-time great team across from them in the L.A. Lakers. But we're talking about going to the finals in a row, and Golden State has done exactly what these teams have done, and Golden State has won two out of them. I can tell you this, man. This is This series is really – taking a, a lot of shine off of Golden State for me and a lot of shine off Kevin Durant because I've been the one banging the drum saying this guy can do what he wants to do. Yeah, he doesn't have as much pressure because he has Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, but I, he's the man. He's the man in the league. He showed in the last year's NBA Finals, but not, you know, this series, he better come up big in these next couple of games. He better hope it's two more games. Uh, otherwise, it, you know, again, a lot of shine, a lot of luster, is lost by the Golden State Warriors and Kevin Durant. So finally, in this or that, which player is needed more by his team to succeed, Andre Iguodala or Chris Paul? Boy, you got some tough ones today. That's what we do. I give you th- – if, if it was easy, it wouldn't be a question. So I make it tough, and so I make you make a decision. So you have to commit. You you already passed on one of them. You have to commit to one <laughs> on this one. Okay. It, it, it'll probably be – a little bit tougher with Chris Paul out for the Rock. Uh, they're going to need the calmness that Chris Paul brings to the team, the confidence, the little bulldog that is, things like that the Rockets will need. Now, Andrea Godala plays a huge part for Golden State as well, and they've been playing without him for a couple of games, and they're down 3-2. So now you're down to, what, a two-game series? So you want to see what the Rockets can do if it's stretched out to two games without Chris Paul because I don't think he's going to come back from the groin. I'm no medical doctor. I could be wrong, but with that hamstring, I'm sorry, that's a tough one to come back from. I think Chris Paul will have a a bigger impact. He's needed more by the Rockets. We've seen that he played big in the fourth quarter. He kept that team in the game with his gritty performance and his defense and the way he drove hard and keep him active on the defensive side of the ball. But I will say this. I am surprised and shocked at how dysfunctional Golden State's offense has become without Andre Iguodala. It's been a huge shock to me, but I think the Rockets need Chris Paul a lot more. Because now the Rockets made the adjustments so Andre Iguodala can also score the basketball. So when you take him out and you add Kevin Looney, now it's a little bit tougher for and them they to score. they them tremendously defensively. I think in game four, they were five of eight going up against Jordan Bell, seven of 11 going up against Kevin Looney. So they dominated on the offensive end against those guys because Iguodala is not in there. But they just can't get – they don't seem uh, – but that, but that takes them out of the rhythm. And I always talk about rhythm in basketball because now you have Andre Iguodala who can also defend. You have Andre Iguodala – that can knock down the three. And calm that calm team it. down and get them where they need to be. So I've seen him break defense down, throw the ball in the loony, and he drops it or misses it. So that's a wasted opportunity down the floor. And, we, and in both of these games, we're talking about, what, what, maybe four possessions either way? Either way. Four or five possessions in a – in, in a game, a 48-minute game, you're talking about four, so really those, four or five possessions. So those trips, you go down and you don't get a shot at the basket. And like this last game, you lose by four. And then think about the just the balls that Looney dropped where they dropped it off to him. Now you have Iguodala in there. He can score that basketball. So you have to factor those things in as well. So, like I said, I'm not taking anything from the Rockets, but without Looney in there, hey, they're, they're forcing it to go in to him because he's not – 
a score. Well, with that, we've reached the halfway point, and as promised, we'll hear from our sponsor, CoBank Homes, and we'll hear from Atlanta Group, Fulton County, featuring Ebony Camille with Inside Out. We'll give you a snippet of that, the entire cut at the end of the show. This is episode 58 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on iTunes. Tune in, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. My name is Caleb, and I listen to Sports Talk with Uncle Devon Wade on iTunes. Welcome back to episode 58 of Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Kev, what do you think of that Fulton County? I'm digging it. it. To me, it sounds like a cross between, like, it sounds like a little bit of TQ uh, from uh, that West Coast uh, with the theme of the song. And then Ebony Camille, I love her voice. I love the way she uh, she does her thing on that. So Fulton County, you can check them out. Uh, look for them on, on iTunes, on Tidal, and wherever you get your music. Fulton County featuring Ebony Camille, Inside Out. Hey, man, I like that. One shout out to all the folks in the ATL that are listening. Hey, I, I've enjoyed my trips to the ATL. Hey, but I think it, it I love that song. It's just kind of one thing that's kind of missing in that song. I think that they may be able to improve on. They may need me. <laughs> they, they Maybe you can do the remix. They, they, they kind of they got. They may need me. I let me let me get two or three hooks in there, man. Hey, <laughs> I, I I kind of get with that a little yeah. bit, man. Yeah, we'll, man. We'll to, they hey, may we'll, need to reach out to me, we'll man. Hey, to, I'm available. We we'll have to get with Philando Larson and let's see if we can get you in on the remix. Yeah, get me on the remix. Yeah. I'm down for that. That sounds good. With that, we're yeah. to a segment that we call Hero. Or zero. Drop that zero. This is when I give you a situation and you tell me if it's a hero situation or a zero situation. It's a team, entity, or a sports organization, whatever. Are they heroes or zeros? Now, it, now we never talk hockey, and we probably won't talk hockey again. Hey, man, I, I don't know much about I, hockey, but man. It, I'll, but I'll paint the scenario. Oh, oh I, I think I know where you're going with this. Come on, I think I'll follow you a little so bit. So you have an expansion team. 
Yeah. The Las Vegas Knights yeah. that yeah. have made it all the way to the Stanley Cup. Right. Because of this, is the NHL, are there a bunch of heroes or zeros for allowing an expansion team to make it all the way to the Stanley Cup? Hey, man, that that's hero action, man. Those guys have come out and – some of them were, were were let go from their teams and things of that nature. Weren't valued with their organizations. Yeah. And now, you know what? They're in the, in the Stanley Cup, man. How, it, it just don't get any better than that, man. And against uh, the Washington Capitals, the Novechkin, who is a guy who's almost like Chris Paul, had a great career, one of the all-time greats, hadn't won a Stanley Cup. so And hadn't had a lot of postseason success. But you know what? I think... Although it's a Hollywood story happening in Las Vegas, I think that's a zero. Drop that and I tell you zero. why. You know, that's saying that look, any cast of characters you can throw together to make them able to go to the NHL championship, it devalues all of your star players on other teams. So, I mean, although I like the story, I think it's interesting. I don't know that again, and, and I also hate it because when you get these new cities that own franchises, that would be like the Oakland Raiders going to Vegas their first year. Well, not quite because that, that, that team is already established. But if Las Vegas got an expansion team and they went to the the, the Super Bowl, that would, be, that would be devastating for fan bases around the country that have rooted for their team for years and years and years to get to a Super Bowl. So there are a lot of fan bases around the, the country in the NHL that won't see their team go to the, the Stanley Cup and I think that, you know, Las Vegas, they don't care about anything but trippers, money. And oh, oh, man. <laughs> they don't care about, you know oh, what I mean? You know, Vegas, man. I've been to Vegas a bunch of times. It's, you know, Vegas doesn't care about their teams like that. They had the, their one little run with UNLV back in the 90s, and that was it. Second, uh, if Boston blows this series to the Cleveland Cavaliers, are they heroes or zeros? If they blow it, I think there'll be a zero. Drop! Because Zero. now you, you've come so far well, and the, you the, haven't lost at home yet. Well, here's what I say. This is why I say they could potentially be heroes. They, heroes for getting it. Without Kyrie Irving, without Gordon Haywood, with a team of young players who don't have valuable player experience other than Al Horford, you take this team and get all the way here and maybe you're not able to overcome and, and beat one of the all-time great players in LeBron James. That's why they're even eligible for the idea of being heroes. But you're saying they are. If they lose it because they the players that they have are really good. You have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. You have Al Horford. You have Rozier who stepped up right now. Mark Smart is playing good, pretty good. The Morris twin is playing pretty good. So you do have some guys in there. And right now you're one game from the finals and you're at home. You don't have the pressure of being on the road for game seven. You're at the crib. If you can just pull this out at the crib and you haven't been losing, you can't pick this game seven and lose it right now. I think the ultimate outcome dictates it. If they lose it, they're zeros, and they are 10-0 at home. So for all the reasons you say. But I will say this. They are heroic in the fact that I thought in the first two minutes of this season, it was over. I really did. When Haywood went down that grotesque leg injury, I said, man, we talked on the phone that night. And you kept saying, well, no, wait a minute. Don't just wait. Calm down. And I'm like, man, you lose it. And then you lose Kyrie. And you and they still make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I tell you what, man, I think it's heroic. But if they lose, yeah, they're zeros. Drop that zero. Finally, now this is one. I don't know if we should even have this one. Oh, but man. we'll have it anyway. This week, 
President Donald J. Trump pardoned Jack Johnson for a federal crime uh, he committed, which was transporting a white woman across state lines. He gave him a full presidential pardon. Is Donald Trump a hero or a zero for pardoning Jack Johnson? Galveston's own, by the way, right down the street from Galveston, born in Galveston. Hero is zero for Donald Trump. And we are recording. So whatever you say will be heard by thousands and thousands of people. <laughs> <laughs> the act that 45 did was heroic. But 45 <laughs> is a zero. So you nah. split hands like I did, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You're going to use my technique against me. Against you. <laughs> exactly. So there it is. You got it. Man, and l- let me say this. <laughs> Jack Johnson should have been pardoned a long time ago. It's posthumous, so he's been dead forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, ever. So he didn't know the difference unless he's looking down upon us. He's, looking, way, he's looking down. He's, he's walking, uh, you know, he's a the golden streets of, of heaven anyway, so he ain't tripping. But <laughs> so, Donald Trump would have to resuscitate MLK and Malcolm X before he would be a hero. <laughs> he would have to give every black person in this country 40 acres and a mule and come up with gun reform um, before Howard called him a hero for anything. First of all, he's a Russian pawn. <laughs> Almost thought you so said no. something so else. Trump, he, well, he's he's a bunch of something else, but <laughs> Donald Trump, too little, too late. You still a zero. I'm sorry. Drop that zero. With that, want to go to the segment that we call our Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. And who was Lamont? You big dummy. He was a big dummy from the Sanford and Son show. I don't, you know, I, I wonder how many millennials don't understand the reference of where this comes from. But the Lamont Award will go to the guy or the gal or the person who dropped the ball and just did something really, really stupid. This week, it is John Singleton. If you've never heard of him, he was a Houston Astros prospect who was released by the team because of marijuana usage, he violated the terms of uh, the drug policies in the minor leagues. He was a guy that got paid a lot of money. They thought he was going to be somebody special. Turns out he had recurring issues with marijuana. And he basically has said that he cannot stop <laughs> using marijuana. And for that reason, he's lost out on his career and millions and millions of dollars that were sitting right there for him. It's just unbelievable. I mean, I you know, and I know I've, I talked to some weed smokers, and they like, guys like him give us a bad name. You know, how are you going to say you're addicted to weed and you can't perform, you can't give it up? We saw this with a couple players in the NFL that couldn't give up the weed. Von Miller was one early on in his career. Like, you in the NFL, especially, you know when they're gonna test you, and you couldn't stop weed for that. So, you know, what? What's your thoughts on Singleton? It's got to be some pretty good stuff to leave <laughs> leave some millions on the table because you can't stop smoking. That's so, I mean, if he can't stay off of it and leave that on the table, he is a big dummy. Yep, and for that reason, former Houston Astros prospect. John Singleton, you are our big dummy. You big dummy. We're going to go to birthdays. 
doing some sports birthdays. And then at the end of that, a few folks, we're going to wish a happy birthday too. If you have somebody you want to wish happy birthday too, just hit us up on Twitter at Wade's Word on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade uh, page, group page or fan page on Facebook or even on Instagram. Uh, send us your birthdays and uh, we'll send them out for you and we'll definitely show you some love. On the sports side of things, happy, happy birthday this week to KC Jones. KC Jones did KC. work. Yes, with the Boston Celtics. Never got enough credit as a player or coach. Uh, but he led some of my favorite Boston Celtics team, teams, and I was a Boston Celtics fan. Don't No mistake about it. I didn't like the Showtime Lakers. I, part of that was because my team, Houston Rockets, were in the Western Conference, and we couldn't get past the Lakers a lot of years. Just wasn't a, uh, a Lakers fan. I was a KC Jones and the Boston Celtics fan. Also, Kendall Gill, who was on one of my favorite teams, in the Illinois North, team with yeah. Nick Anderson, Marcus Liberty. You remember yeah, those teams? Marcus Liberty, yeah. Man, that was a talented team. I like. I used to like yeah. Kendall Gill a lot. Then he played for Charlotte a lot in the N- NBA. Brian Erlacher had a birthday this week. Uh, the linebacker, of course, Chicago Bears Hall of Famer. And also, Joe Dumas. Joe Dumas, he was a guy. How, explain to people how good Joe uh, Dumas was defensively, especially going up against Jordan. Joe, Joe Dumas was an excellent defender, really smart, knew all of the angles, how to cut you off. He wasn't the fastest guy, great body, but he knew what angles to take to cut you off and, and beat you to that punch to make everything really, really difficult and make, really make you work for whatever you got on the offensive end. Man, I love Joe Dumas. He's soft-spoken. He just seems like a quality guy, a great defender. One of those guys on a really – I mean, that Detroit team with John Sally and Isaiah Thomas and Mark Aguirre, all of them, uh, Bill and Bill, Rick Mahorn, uh, Rodman. That was, that was some great team. Benny Johnson off the bench. Also this weekend, birthdays, Tracy McGrady. Is Tracy McGrady underrated? Because I never really held him in high regard. I know he was a prolific scorer. I was never just a Tracy McGrady guy, and he played here in Houston. He was one of our own. What are your thoughts on Tracy McGrady? I think the back injury kind of took him out a little bit before he really got going because I thought at one point in time when he was in Orlando, he was on the level with Kobe Bryant. But after the back injury, then it kind of shifted gears with him playing a different style of basketball. But before the back injury, Tracy McGrady, he, he put in work. But I just don't think the body of work that he put in was long enough to, to put him it. with those greats. Right? Also, marvelous Mervin Heckler. And, you know, I say his birthday, I say his name this way, is because I more than any other fight in my entire life, I watched Sugar Ray. Well, I don't know how to think about that. But close to among the, the fights I've watched over and over and over again, was uh, Marvin Hagler versus Sugar Ray Leonard. So, and that's how they announced, announced announced his name that night. And I remember at the end, the guy was in the 12th round. It was about to be over. He was like, how do you like it? How do you like it? I never, I watch it over and over again. And with the wonders of YouTube, I can go back and watch it again today if I want to. But Marvelous Marvin Hagler had a birthday today. And finally, on the sports side, Dante Pastorini, Mr. Oh. Uh, Flack Jacket himself, uh, enjoyed a birthday part of the Love Your Blue Houston Oilers. He was, I want to say he was a uh, in the top five for the Heisman in his senior year. I think that's right. Finished his career in Oakland, but he his best days 
We're battling the steel curtain and the Pittsburgh Steelers for the Houston Oilers and handing off the ball to Earl Campbell. On the other birthdays uh, of folks that uh, that reached out or either uh, I know I want to wish a happy, happy birthday to Euro Taylor. Now, Euro Taylor was the first person upperclassman that I remember when I got to Lamont High School. He was he he held court every day. He was he was the man. He played some, some good football at Lamont. Also, Sonia Glover Pantoja, happy, happy birthday. I missed seeing it on the Friday Express, but I wanted to make up for it by saying happy birthday to you on episode 58 of the podcast. And also happy birthday to another Facebook friend, Bridget Roberts, who had a birthday this week. Now, I don't know if I know Bridget Roberts, but it seems like she's somebody I ought to know. We have a, a lot of mutual friends, and we've been Facebook friends for a minute. Bridget, if we know each other really well, and I just have forgotten, blame it on my on my my, my head and not my heart. <laughs> Happy birthday. And there are a number of others. If you have a birthday, you want to reach out to me and uh, so we can get it on uh, episode 58 of the podcast, uh, 59 of the podcast, reach out to me in various ways on the different forums. Hey, everybody sing with me now. Happy birthday. Just for the birthday, people. For a minute. I know we, we're about to get in this podcast, but I got to say this, and I got, I got to get back to LeBron on this. And I sit back and I think how you get the par- comparisons about LeBron and Mike and how we forget about Kobe. But I'll stay with LeBron and Michael for a minute. And I thought about this because I listened to the comments with Scotty Pippen. When he brought up Joe Dumas, this would brought it back to my mind. And I try to compare these guys as opposed and they say with different eras or whatever. But how great would Michael Jordan be in this era with Without the hand checking, without the beating that you take going in the lane and things like that, where LeBron, you know, you hit him now and he's two sixty, two seventy, he fall like, <laughs> like fall out like a Mack truck hit him. Well, but this is the thing. This is how the game. The one of the reasons why I put Mike, it's Mike, and then everybody else. It's Mike, Kobe, and then everybody else. To me. And how the players take the game so serious. The Pistons were playing the Bulls. And this was on one of the 30 for 30 shows. And Joe said he was asleep. He said, and Isaiah called him at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. And he said, why are you, what are you doing up? Why are you calling me at this time of the day? He said, man, I'm in Lake Michigan and I've been out here all night trying to figure out how to stop Mike. He said, and I came up with it. And he explained it to Joe. But this is the reason why I say you put Mike first. It, to me, it's no comparison there because if if I have to stay up all night <laughs> to try to figure out how to get you to get that edge, and this is what they did, and this is where the Jordan rules came into effect because I say, Isaiah stayed up all night and he called Joe on the phone, and Joe had to guard him now. And Joe's, what, 6'3"? That's when every time Mike would come, they push him into the lane and everybody get a piece of him. LeBron wouldn't be able to handle that. But what that did for Mike, that put him in another gear because he said, I have to get stronger now because they're going to handle me this way. I got to come up with another another. Didn't win. join another team. Didn't join didn't, another team. Yeah, didn't no. go recruiting. I, yeah, I have to stay here and take no this Hampton beating. No Hampton 5. No Hampton 5. But if you touch LeBron, he fall out on the floor and he's looking for the flagrant foul and and I'm like, man, you got to be kidding me. 
Well, you know, in all sports, things sort of change. But, yeah, I mean, I did used to say that they used to let Jordan. Later on, especially, the Detroit team, those Pistons teams, didn't let him just flow through the lane. Right. Other, later on, people started just letting him glide through the lane and not punish Punish him. They should have. They should have done a lot more of that. The Knicks would do it. Right. And Detroit. Everybody else would be like, oh, no, we won't hit him. But, but you know, I agree with you. It was a lot tougher, a lot more physicality was a part of it. It was a tougher, grittier game. But, of course, people like scoring. They like this free-flowing style. And so now we have the NBA of today where Golden State can just drift up and down the court and any little touch is a foul, and, and that's, there you have it. With that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, Kev, what we got the uh, the TFE get together tomorrow. Game six tonight, game seven tomorrow, maybe a game seven on Monday, Memorial Day. Uh, what are your final thoughts before we get out of here? Hey, Golden State, I think of win game six, get Andre Iguodala back, win game seven. On the other side, I think Boston will go ahead and take their business against Cleveland at home, and you'll have a Boston Celtic Golden State Warriors fight. Well, you know what? I am going to take Cleveland and Golden State. And I think Cleveland, hey, anything can happen in Game 7. And, and either way, actually, either way, if if the Rockets don't end it tonight, and I don't think they will, I think anything can happen in Game 7, including the Rockets with a huge upset. But we'll definitely look out for that. Also, on this Memorial Day weekend, want to take time out to recognize those who gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be free. All of the soldiers that died while serving our country to protect us and protect our freedoms and our right and my right to say whatever I want to say, including criticizing Donald Trump. I want to thank, thank those guys who made, I mean, just uh, gave all you can give by giving your life. So thinking of the soldiers and uh, the families of those who, who gave their lives in service to this country, I hope you guys have a tremendous Memorial Day weekend. To my TFE family, we will see you guys on Sunday. Want to thank you guys for listening to episode 58. Want to thank our sponsors. Want to thank Fulton County featuring Ebony Camille. Thanks for listening to episode 58. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. And as always, have a great day.
the phone. Let me put this D game, baby, on ya. Step inside the sauna, champagne corona. Sweat from the body, yes, I love the aroma. Back into the corner and drop it like a wanna. Baby, it's me and you, cause you know I'm a loner. Grown people music, so they call me a groaner. It's time to change the toner, and I got the tools to give her a boner. Take it to the level on the Yes, I own her. Tongue ain't is very strong, so that make the sex stronger. Put the money on the books. Put the money on your books. Check my mama. I checked your mama. How the baby do it? Baby do it fine. Love you. I love you too. Inside out, I think about you, babe. Inside out, the distance drives me crazy. Inside out, I feel your tone in my bones. Inside out, make love to me through the phone. Inside out. 